Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. And it is National Signing Day. It's, well... They need to start calling this one the the late signing day and the and the the early one just the regular signing day because not a lot of action today. Yeah, it was. I don't want to say necessarily anticlimactic or anything like that, but most of the hay was in the barn um, for most of these classes, especially the elite ones. They get their guys in early, they sign them, especially ones with early enrollees. But yes, this is your traditional national signing day. Still fun. Still. Nice to kind of tie a bow on it, um, you know, for the 2020 cycle. Uh, Jacob, what do you? What were your first impressions? I guess of of this year's class. What jumped out to you the most? Yeah, well, I guess we had to wait until today to officially crown a recruiting champion for this cycle, and it was really dependent upon one player because Clemson was pretty much out of it before today. It was going to be Georgia or Alabama. And so McKinley Jackson, four-star signing with Texas A&M instead of Alabama, gave Georgia uh, the edge. They were already number one, but McKinley Jackson would have put Bama over Georgia. It was that close. And so, um, yeah, Georgia wraps up the number one class. Super impressive. Second time in three years, according to the 24-7 composite. Three years in a row, according to rivals. Um, But still, nonetheless, really impressive day by Georgia. Really impressive day by Tennessee today. Texas A&M had a great day. Um, shout out to Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman, the closer, ended up with a top 30 class. I don't know if that man has slept since he got to Arkansas, but yeah. <laughs> what, a, what, what a great guy. And like what a way to close out uh, the class with a top 30 class. That's huge for him. I was really impressed. Ending with the, the quarterback... Um... And he just it was it was funny because he started out, I think, when he took over the job, which I mean, anyone who knows Sam Pittman knows that it's it's no big deal. He'll he'll take care of it. But they were they were in flux. I think they were like 75th or 76th when he took over. Now, as any, you know, coaching change, you're going to have a uh, you're going to have turnovers. And it's like like what we've talked about before is nearly impossible for coaches nowadays to get fired or for a a coach to get hired, you know, to a job and do anything before the early signing period. You're just praying that there's guys left over for that second signing for the, for the traditional signing day of today uh, so that you can, you know, really zero in on some targets. A lot of times you're going to be going from somewhere where you're recruiting at a certain level. That's one thing people don't talk about. Um, Sam Pittman's used to going after cream of the crop, you know, He's used to going after the biggest, baddest five-star offensive lineman. And you have to kind of do a reality check and a self-scout. Like, hey, what is realistic for us to bring in at Arkansas? I think he did a remarkable job. I think his staff that he's got there is great. But the uh, name I was trying to come up with a second ago is Malik Hornsby, um, mm-hmm. four-star kid out of uh, Missouri City, Texas. Um, just, you know, he's a, a dual threat. He's ranked – eight by the composite and as a dual threat, but you know, he's a top 200 kid nationally. Um, bringing that kind of talent in at quarterback is fantastic, especially since they got 
um, Felipe French to come in at quarterback and start initially for this season as a grad transfer. So year for him to learn and grow in that Kendall Bryle system. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Great, great job by Arkansas to be a top 30 class, someone you're not used to talking about, but it's funny being 30th in the S or 30th in the country is good enough for 11. Oh, okay. Hey, that's better than I thought though. That's be- I was about to say it's only in the SEC, in the SEC is exactly yeah. where I was going. On the same <laughs> that's, that's how I just like that. I was like, yeah. uh, 11. Oh. Well, cause if you look at the top 10 and if you know, everybody, I'm sure you, you have access to a computer. I would definitely go check out the 24 seven sports composite. It's the industry standard uh, for all recruiting and in the rankings. Um, Cause what they do is they take an average of all the major services together. Uh, ESPN, the 24 seven top two, four, seven and the uh, rivals two fifty. So it takes all those into account averages them out. But yeah, you've got Georgia and Alabama number uh, one and two. You've got LSU at four A&M at, uh, six, Auburn at seven, Florida at eight, and Tennessee at nine or ten, excuse me. Um, so you just got teams littered all through that top ten. So a team like Florida, for example, who finishes number eight in the country, is sixth in their own conference, and you know the team that they've been looking up at is number one, and they're number eight. Um, and that's another storyline I picked up from today. I try, I try not to. I really, I, like, I hate Florida, but I really try not to <laughs> dump on them as a, as an analyst. Like, I really want to take an honest look at what they did, and I'll give them some credit. Um, they they signed a five star high school player, which is the first time under Dan Mullen that that's happened. Uh, Gervon Dexter, a fantastic defensive tackle. Um, depends on which service you look at, but he's in the top three in the country at defensive tackle. Uh, he's a stud. He was at the Under Armour All-America game, but you've got guys like him. You've got a, a you know stud quarterback that they got. Um, oh gosh, where you? oh Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good. Uh, he's from Gainesville, which is awesome for them. But really, the story for them is the transfers. Florida's had to do a lot of this picking from other teams because we talked about last year before the you know season started how they were low on scholarship players so they really had to beef that up by taking transfers so in addition to the 25 signees that they got they got six transfers and five three of those six are five stars so when you take that into account they got five star Justin Shorter um, from Penn State they took uh, Lorenzo Lingard five-star running back from Miami. Um, He didn't get to play a whole lot this year. So, I mean, there's a lot of green on him. He can definitely grow. And then uh, they got before the season, he he wasn't eligible this year. They got Georgia's defensive end outside linebacker, uh, Brenton Cox. So definitely some talent coming into Gainesville. But the big story from today is some of the misses that occurred, um, you know, namely the biggest target left on the board, was um, Avante Williams. He ends up going to Miami. He was expected to be a Florida, a heavy Florida lean. So big get for the for the Canes. But um, overall, this is a good class for Florida. You know, I, I dump on them a lot. But we both know that Dan Mullen is more of a coach that, you know, 
coaches him up, develops them. At least that's what everybody keeps telling us. Um, and he comes up with a good game plan. He does those kinds of things. So that's more what he does. So he does more with less. And eighth ranked in the country for a guy who, quote unquote, does not recruit, you know, I'm sure the Gators are happy with their class. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, there's three elite classes. Um, flip a coin as far as, you know, how you want to actually rate them. You know, you and I have joked before, Jacob, um, that there's, you know, the recruiting rankings, quote unquote, don't matter. Was a guy a three star, a four star, a five star? It doesn't necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things, but the accumulation of talent does. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it uh, before we got on that, you know, this, if you look at the national champions from the past several years and you look at the standings, who, you know, what, where have they finished in recruiting and, you know, what elevates, you know, a team quickly to the top and it's recruiting. So I do think that the top three um, with Georgia, Alabama and Clemson, those are all elite classes. Um, they all got their guys, um, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two kids here or there. Um, but definitely a fun, fun day and a fun experience. Um, you had something with a, a talent what was it that you had uh, for two four seven? It's a talent. Two four seven also has the the team talent composite rankings, and th- that's like which kudos to them. This is awesome. I've been waiting for someone to have something like this, and last year is the first year they did it. Um, so they just say like, "Hey, talent on the roster right now," and like, you know, from what they were ranked, you know, when they got recruited, and now they account for transfers. You know, players who have come in. Like, what's your talent on the roster right now? And last year, the top three were Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia in that order. Okay. And so top five being USC and LSU. USC, of course, the anomaly there, but obviously Alabama is Alabama. Ohio State was in the playoff. Georgia, you know, was right there. <laughs> Sugar Bowl win. I mean, top four team at the end of the year. And then LSU, of course, the national champion. And so for people that say recruiting doesn't matter, like you said, Number of five stars might not matter, but the accumulation of talent really does matter. Teams that are not recruiting on an elite level are not winning national championships. There's a reason that Alabama is in the playoff every year except this past year. It's the accumulation, you know, it's it's a mix of accumulation of talent and developing players. This is honestly one of the first years Clemson's been recruiting great. This year was elite in the way they recruited. Um, before I talk more about Clemson, I did want to mention. Ohio State as well. Um, kudos to Ryan Day. Last year had the 14th class in the country. This year, top five. And so that was a question in my mind for Ryan Day was obviously we saw this year he's a great coach, but Ohio State, as I said, had, according to the 247 team talent composite ranking, the second most talented team in the country. And so it's no surprise that they were in the playoff. But well, and for that, you take into account, sorry, you take into account for that talent ranking, like you mentioned, the transfer, whereas in the actual class rankings, they're not going to get credit for that. But last year, they got Justin Fields. Um, he didn't count towards their class, but let's just say you drop him in. He's on the roster, yeah. If you if you dropped him in the class and added it as a five-star quarterback, he'd have been in, they'd have been in the top 10 easy. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. Top, maybe, you know, seven. So, you know. It's all relative, but yes. Anyways. Yeah. And uh, 
Well, Sam, Ohio State. And so, shout out to Ryan Day. Obviously, Urban, the culture he brought to Ohio State was a recruiting mindset. That's one thing that Urban really did change college football. Him and Nick Saban both. But Urban being how he recruited nationally and made a national brand, and he brought that to Ohio State where they're recruiting all over the country. Where now, like, you know, Alabama's doing that, Georgia's doing that, Clemson's doing that, LSU's doing that. Like, these schools are recruiting super nationally where – even for Georgia, when Kirby first came in, priority was, hey, look at all the talent in your own state. And all he had to do was lock up the borders and score a top three class in his second year. And now he's going national because he understands that you got to get the best players from all over the country to be on a national championship level. All that being said, kudos to Ryan Day because a lot of people were going to credit uh, Ohio State's recruiting to Urban Meyer instead of come in in year two and get a top five class. Uh, kudos to Ohio State, especially with how they're recruiting at receiver, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the way they're recruiting at receiver is very elite. Oh, yeah. Uh, they got like a an Alabama three receivers, like how Alabama just had those three guys come through um, with Judy, Devontae Smith, and um, Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. That's like, man, Ohio State. That was – this is a good class that they've got. Um, oh, yeah. I mean – Two five-star receivers. Was it two four-star receivers in the class? Yeah, so, but three of them are in the top. I think they're the top three receivers on the board. Or I mean, they've they've got yes, these they've got three elite receivers, but four really three, good. Receivers. Three three in the top ten. Yes. So okay. four in the top sixteen. I mean, seriously, it's a great job of Ryan Day. I mean, with that kind of offense too, if you've got elite receivers and a quarterback who can. Toss that, <laughs> toss that thing. <laughs> to quote Jameis Winston, we got quarterback that's going to toss that thing. <laughs> O-line, wake up. But yeah, kudos SEC to Florida State. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You're good. It comes yeah, out sometimes. Kudos, kudos to Iowa State on their class as well. Um, what's another team that impressed you? Well, one, I, look, okay, I feel like I don't want people to think that this is these are sympathy points because – I'm a Georgia fan, and I just talked about Florida having a good class, and I'm about to talk about Georgia Tech, okay? But the job that Jeff Collins is doing for what Georgia Tech is, having a – it's a 20, number 26 in the in the country, but the biggest coup being that they kept Jameer Gibbs from going to Florida, Ohio State. These other schools are coming in hard to get him. And he is uh, Jameer Gibbs. If you don't know, he's one of the you know state's top running backs, uh, one of the country's top. He was at the uh, the All American Bowl in San Antonio this year, and uh, he's out of Dalton. He's just a a stud running back, and he's a four star. He's highly rated. I think he's the highly ra- most highly rated player in their class. After getting Jamias Griffin last year, four star running back, pairing him with him, I mean. Uh, you know, they're going to – Georgia Tech is – you know, they're going to definitely be making some steps. I, I like that Collins came in and put an emphasis on recruiting right away. Um, and I kept telling – you know, I've got some friends and family who are Georgia Tech fans. And I kept saying, like what we said, how it's impossible to get a good class that first year just because of how the early signing period is. And he had a decent one last year. But this year, getting the 26th overall class and really adding to their talent – um, really impressive. They also got Jeff Sims. This was early signing day. Uh, Jeff Sims at quarterback out of Jacksonville, Florida. 
Um, he's a top, uh, he's a four-star kid at quarterback. So he's going to come in and provide some uh, depth, maybe immediately, maybe challenge for that starting job. Um, so Georgia Tech, it, you know, they're definitely going through that transition, but the best way to do it is with some talent. And the city of Atlanta has a lot of talent. The state of Georgia has a lot of talent. So, um, you know, kudos to Georgia Tech for being able to get some of those guys. Yeah, I agree with you. How about this storyline? Obviously, some offseason headlines were made because the Egg Bowl got a lot more fun. <laughs> yes. With their head coaching hires. And Mike Leach, obviously, at Mississippi State, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And if you had asked me before – you know, the recruiting cycle, who would recruit better? My answer would have been obviously Lane Kiffin. Like, obviously. And, you know, Leach even made some headlines. Like, I think it was last year when he said, like, you know, look at the recruiting rankings. You really expect us to beat Washington? Right. <laughs> like, as if, like, maybe he doesn't care so much about recruiting and that his system is just going to gonna work. But Mississippi State finishes at 27, and Ole Miss finishes at 39. And so I was – surprised you know i know it's first year for both so it's probably gonna be a wash but i was still surprised to see mississippi state finish uh you know 10 spots above Ole miss um, yeah we're not expected that i will say not to discredit anything but they did already have guys enrolled when he got the job and they had guys signed when he got the job so i do think a lot of the heavy lifting was done by the previous staff that being said, he did close with a few guys. Um, and then also getting, which this doesn't count towards their rankings, but KJ Costello as a transfer, um, he'll be immediately eligible. And so that's going to be someone that um, I think they really value and they really you know, need as far as running a system that he's got in store. Also getting a transfer from Alabama at offensive tackle, Scott Lashley. Um both of those players are going to really um, boost that talent level, especially his first year. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you. That's something that, you know, Lane Kiffin's famous for recruiting and Leach is famous for complaining about recruiting and not wanting to do it. And he's posting gifts of, you know, fake you know, snake attacks today rather than talking about players that they signed and stuff. So he's he's definitely cut from a different cloth. But Ole Miss still holding that hope that uh, old Zachary Evans, running back from North Shore, might grace their presence. But, you know, he won't. Who knows? <laughs> he'll, he'll be – he'll have to show up on campus somewhere before, before that story's written, and I'm sure he'll enter the transfer portal a time or two. So Yeah, for me, he'll have to be playing in a game in uniform for me to believe he's a – on a roster, so. on a roster. I, that's, <laughs> it'll be that's it'll be before I believe it. Right. Um, he played footsie with a lot of different places. <laughs> so, um, quickly, I mean, Tennessee had a good day, like you said, top ten. With again, overarching storyline is where are you in the SEC? Because that's the teams you're playing against week in and week out. And uh, but yeah, Tennessee top ten finish. Kentucky top twenty five finish. South Carolina is at 18. I mean, so, look, it's not SEC bias. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> the players yeah. go to the Southeast. I mean, I mean, weather's got to be a part of it. <laughs> um, that, that's, I think it's part of it. I think that, you know, a rich kit richer kind of an argument, like 
the fact that they've already put guys in the NFL, it's a revolving door of, well, we have to replenish this talent so that you can go to the NFL. They're on, you know, the highest rated games, the biggest fan bases, um, watch the best games. These, you know, these are going to be your showtime games. Yeah. So more eyes on you to go to the next level. You're going to want to go there. You're going to look at TV ratings. It's all one big, one big generation, but that's, that's what's more impressive about, you know, some of these other teams that are really fighting for their share to get up here. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. One thing um, I want to talk about with, with Clemson, um, which you mentioned that you're going to talk about them later. I hope I'm not stealing your thunder. You might, you might pick up something from this as well, but um, Clemson, the fact that they're in the top three this year is amazing because they recruit different from everybody else, especially all the top, top teams. So um, that's the reason they're usually in the top 10 or top 15 rather than the top five, you know, number one or anything like that. They just hit on a few more five stars this year, but Clemson's got a rule that they do not let anybody take an official visit or maybe even an unofficial visit if they are verbally committed elsewhere. Dabo is old school and he believes that a commitment is a commitment. And so this will make everybody who is from the boomer generation smile. Um, he, he just says, you know, if you're, you, if you're committed to me, then you can't take an official visit somewhere else. You have to verbally decommit and go somewhere else if you want to go visit another school and then vice versa. So uh, that's his standard that he abides by. And it's good from the stance that it, it usually keeps his guys from, you know, being seduced by another big time program, promising a bunch of stuff. But, you know, it does put him out on a couple of guys because there's some guys that, hey, I want to take a few visits elsewhere or you know whatever the case may be they want to take all five official visits if they visited clemson they want or you know and they wanted to commit and then they want to take other official visits they might lose that guy so you know kudos to to Dabo for you know having a, a standard and a principle and sticking to it um you know is it the best way to do about it i don't know that's remains to be seen they're winning national championships so something's to it but you know i uh I just wanted to call that out because it is different from every other team that's listed here in the top 10. Nobody else does that. Yeah. Another storyline I wanted to talk about is we'll go Pac-12. Make some people happy. But Oregon, impressive class by Oregon. I mean, obviously the biggest commits, five-star inside linebacker Noah Sewell. Um, he's an early enrollee as well. And then another five-star linebacker, Justin Flo who they kept from USC. Who else is he interested in? He was in on Georgia and Clemson, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state and uh, USC were his other schools. I'm sure you could always say Alabama, Alabama's in it for everybody. So, um, (laughs) and uh, and then five-star corner Dante Manning. I mean, a really impressive class from Oregon being a best in the pac 12 and Mario Cristobal. That's one thing he's brought in is like recruiting and building up on the line of scrimmage, which is very unpacked 12, which is why I think they've been successful. Is when you're winning in the when you're winning in the trenches, um, and the teams you're, you're playing up against typically don't focus on that in your conference. I mean, you could be looking at the start of another Oregon run in the Pac-12, Mario Cristobal. I'm a I'm a big Cristobal fan, so yeah, I'll say that in the front end. But 
Um, and then the, the other Pac-12 team I'm impressed with is Arizona State. They finished fourth in the Pac-12, but they cleaned up in Southern California. I mean, I, I remember watching the both the Under Armour and the, I guess, the ex-Army All-American game in San Antonio. It's just the All-American um, Bowl. Just the All-American Bowl. Sorry. Yeah. All-American game, All-American Bowl. Um, varsity plays on Saturday, but it seemed like every, every, you know, every kid that was from Southern California deciding was just like Arizona state. And so, you know, I think a lot of people were down on Herm Edwards and he got hired and Herm Edwards has come in and obviously he has a football mind and been a great coach, but he's recruiting super well. And so they've gotten a couple guys at offensive tackle from the transfer portal. And I mean, I think Oregon and Arizona state, there's your Pac-12 championship this year. I'll go ahead and, Say that now. Um, and then the disappointing thing from the Pac-12 has got to be USC. Mm-hmm. I mean, 54th at USC. Like I said, when, when Arizona State's coming in and getting guys out of Southern California, that's a problem. And oh, yeah. I don't know where USC goes from here. Like, I don't know a coach that would – let me say this carefully – not want to take that job – but that's a very interesting challenge because I don't think you have the pressure of, you know, a Texas or the SEC and, a, and Alabama. Well, I, yeah, like a Florida, a Georgia. You don't have that kind of pressure, but the expectation's so high. Like, is it time to start re, like, reevaluating what the expectation for USC should be? I mean, that's a very valid point. That's fair. I think that. Um, USC has always been flashy. It's Southern California, home of the Heisman. They always have a Heisman, you know, trophy winner, um, obviously in their heyday. But, you know, it's Hollywood. There's so much you have to, you know, compete with as far as viewership. You're not just – it's not just a um, – you know, you're you're not definitely not competing with UCLA for guys because they don't care about recruiting either. But, um, you know, it's like a lot of these players they just they want to be seen. And USC has not been playing a when other people when most people are watching they're playing Pac-12 after dark. And B, they're not playing in meaningful games um, at the end of the season. If they had, you know, an undefeated or one loss record at the end of the season then they're playing on the biggest stage with the most eyes on it. But if you're, you know, losing a couple games early, I mean, you kind of get pushed to the side or you're not ranked TV networks aren't going to pick you up. So, I mean, it's like I said, that revolving door earlier, it's funny that, you know, they have such a talented roster based on the, uh, that metric you were using earlier with two, four, seven. Maybe this will add character to their team, having a lower ranked, you know, recruiting class, mixed in with those other talented guys. I mean, I don't know. Um, I do know, I mean, obviously Keaton Slovis coming back, he's going to, he's, you know, on a list for, you know, obviously Heisman odds that has 50 guys on the list, but he's on that list. He's expected to be a good returning quarterback. Uh, you know, we'll see. Grim Harrell offense, I think will be good again. Like they, they had, I think the best passing offense in school history this year, very quietly, um, <laughs> very quietly without, without looking at it. Do you know where UCLA is ranked? Okay. No, no, no. I can ballpark it. I mean, they're ranked between 75 and 95. Let's <laughs> say they're 82. 32. What? UCLA is out recruiting USC right now. Oh, my gosh. 
they started out so slow. That's good job by them. I'm over here trashing them. Chip I know Kelly, that uh, Chip Kelly's been slow playing a lot of these recruitments. I have not even noticed. Yeah, so UCLA. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So shout out UCLA. Um, I, I owe you an apology, UCLA. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good job. Any other teams that jump out at you? There's, I mean, it's difficult. I'd love to talk about Kentucky, but again, because there's so a million teams in the SEC ahead of them. But they got some talented guys. Um, they convinced Justin Rogers that he can be a defensive tackle. He was going to be the number one offensive guard in this class. And then he said last year, I want to play defensive tackle. So he's a four-star defensive tackle, but he was a five-star number one player in the country offensive guard. So I don't know if they're bringing him in to lie to him and then tell him, hey, you need to switch positions because you'll go to the NFL as an offensive guard. If so – well done, Mark Stoops. If he comes in defensive <laughs> tackle, though, that's still a four-star guy. I mean, he's got a bunch of talent. Um, and then, you know, I, we keep talking about transfers. They don't count in this class, but they got Joey Gatewood out of Auburn. Um, I don't know if he's going to be immediately eligible. I know they got Terry Wilson coming back. Um, there was some question about Gatewood's um, academic eligibility. I never want to get into speculation on that necessarily, but the fact that that's a question – you know, hopefully for his sake, he gets he gets what he needs to get and gets that in order. But I will say, at least in the interim, it's not a big deal. He can, you know, he would be probably waiting a year behind Terry Wilson anyways, assuming Wilson's able to come back from that injury. But Gatewood going forward, I mean, Mark Stoops building something that's sustainable. And I think that's pretty much the biggest thing I can take away from this class and just what all he's doing. Um, Stoops is a good coach, but, you know. He gets talked about coach of the year too much. Like, let's chill with that. But <laughs> he's doing good for what he's doing. Yeah. Well, that's signing day. SEC, <laughs> the rich get richer. <laughs> I mean, the SEC does great again. And, yeah, fun. Pretty uneventful today. The fun one was back in December. And that'll be the norm. But, you know, next week we will draft our defense for our for our all college football playoff team, and so and then we're gonna post that. I'm gonna try to get some experts to to weigh in on vote on this. So we'll see, like some actual experts. I don't want to ask our friends who are gonna see Georgia players and think it's the best or names they know because we, we we went pretty deep. There's some names that are not semi recent that are on my list that we'll see. Um, you want to get some Florida State people on that Roberto Aguayo pick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, well, my gosh. That'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. I am Jacob. He is Daniel. See you.